the Sumerians believed that these supreme beings came down from the heavens. This is what Anunnaki stands for. It stands for those who descended from the heavens. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Paranormal Portal podcast. I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Thank you all for joining us. And special thank you goes out to all of you who continue to support the podcast and continue to spread the word. Always remember, if any of you out there have experiences of your own that you'd like to share, feel free to email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. Again, paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. And you, too, could be a guest on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got an exceptional show lined up for you today. And this is a really cool one because it's not one that we've ever really gone down the road of here on the Paranormal Portal. This is, I think a lot of you out there are going to be pretty familiar with the subject matter, but we as a show have never gone this direction until today's guest reached out to me and said, hey, how'd you like to collaborate? And I said, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So, uh, <laughs> joining us today is Mr. Sergio Halabi who is joining us from the Paradigm Shift podcast, and he's going to talk to us today about the Anunnaki and its uh, its presence in the Abrahamic religions and so much more. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's bring him on. Welcome to the show, Sergio. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Um, and I would just like to point out that I just noticed that both our podcasts have para- Paranormal and paradigm shift. So, yeah. you know, cool. <laughs> we're para podcasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Pair of. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm really thrilled that you came on the show and thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, 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 I love this, this uh, subject matter, but for, you know, just full disclosure, I'm not the most knowledgeable of this. So I've never really tried to dive into a whole episode, but when you reached out, I was just like, oh my God, this would be great. This would give us a chance to have this dialogue. So please, uh, first of all, could you kind of set it up? What is this all about? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, basically when we look at the first ever civilization for mankind, it's, uh, it's been very well documented that it happened in Mesopotamia, which is modern day Iraq. And it's the Sumerian civilization. First ever cities that are built, agriculture, animal domestication, and religion, of course. And something that has come up throughout research over the years is that a lot of the religion ideas that were presented at that time, they seem to have been taken and studied and presented in new ways in different religions as well. So we're talking here about the the cradle of civilization, but also the cradle of religion. And I've always found it very, very fascinating. I have, now I am born a uh, Catholic Christian and I, you know, the, the traditional Catholic school, Catholic mother, the whole thing. And I've been exposed to, to, to the Bible, I've been exposed to, especially where I live, to Islam as well, to the Quran, Judaism, and all that, to the Torah. And once I got more and more familiar with the, with the mythology of the Anunnaki and Sumerians, I started noticing that there's a lot of similarities between what we are now considering Abrahamic religions and what the ancient civilization of the same uh, location as well, by the way, given that Iraq uh, is the birthplace of the Sumerian uh, religion and the entire Middle East is the birthplace of the Arab Abrahamic religions. Mm. So what I try to do within my own research and my background in the Bible and in these Abrahamic religions is try to compare and connect the dots and see where they kind of meet and where they divert. Okay. And yeah. So especially when it comes to the Anunnaki now, I don't know how much of your listeners already are familiar with them. I'm just going to give you the fast rundown kind of the story of, of what happened. And the Sumerians believed that these supreme beings came down from the heavens. This is what Anunnaki stands for. It stands for those who descended from the heavens. And they came to earth for one reason or another. It's not really specified. There have been different theories over why they came. Some say to mine the land, some say to mine gold and so on and so on, but no one has any concrete 
evidence yet. And there is this tablet that was found in uh, in one of the excavation sites, and now it's in the British Museum. It's called the Enuma Elish, and that's the that's the tablet that has the names of all the kings that have resided over Sumeria and all the gods and the story of the creation of man and how it happened. And they talk about how basically the Anunnaki with their different ranks were working on earth for thousands and thousands of years and they got too tired. They didn't want to do the job anymore. So they rebelled against their masters and one, two of their masters who are very prominent are Enki and Enlil. Uh, These two are brothers and they are the highest ranked on earth, not within the Anunnaki pantheon, only on earth. And they basically rebelled and said, we don't want to do the job anymore. Enlil, who has even the biggest power, decided, why don't we take a creature that already exists on Earth, manipulate it in one way or another, and make it a slave for us so that they, he can do the job while we can rest, so we don't have to do the job anymore. Thus, the first man came to be, and he was known as Adapa. That was his name, Adapa, which is also a translation for animal. And because we basically the mythology goes to that an animal was bred into becoming a human. Mm-hmm. And things have happened, rebellions happened within the Anunnaki pantheon because the brother of Enlil, the brother was, he was the, the scientist, if you want. He was the one who, who made this happen. He kind of grew fond of humanity and he wanted to give them knowledge and freedom. And he came to Adapa at some point and told him, you need to know that there is more to life than this. I'm going to give you knowledge. I'm going to give you information. And Lil did not like this and decided to wipe out mankind from the earth with a flood. Oh. With the flood coming, Enki decided to help humanity and inform humanity that there's a flood coming and taught them how to build an ark. Now, I don't know if you can notice from the story that I'm telling you that this is very familiar and we have heard the story before somewhere else. Even the, the human that Enki spoke to used the same words found in the Bible, which is, my God has fallen out of favor from your gods. He does not want humanity to end through the flood and he has instructed me to build an ark to survive, to have all animals in it, to have my family on it, and so on and so on. This is the the top, the tip of the iceberg, as they say. So this is the the, the, the myth of creation within the, uh, the Anunnaki mythology. And this is where it became very clear and apparent to me that there is a huge overlap mm-hmm. between this mythology and what is considered as the Abrahamic religion, as Judaism, which spawned uh, Christianity and Islam, and their entire basis of, of belief and religion is based on a supreme being creating a man out of, in his likeness, out of his own work, and then putting that man to work. That man rebelled against him and he was kicked out of the garden and then he was able to survive a flood and so on and so on. So this is just like that. Mm. Fascinating. Very, very fascinating. And and that that the again the overlaps as you're saying, I think, are are that's incredible. You know, I mean it's not like the the cuneiform would have been written long before any of the Abrahamic religions were recorded, correct? Oh, yeah, we're talking thousands, if not hundreds, like tens of thousands of, of years. Like they're discovering wow. now with new equipments and, and uh, devices that what they thought before, the age of certain um, monoliths and different buildings, the pyramids, the sphinx and so on, they're discovering they're much older than six or 7,000 years old. We're talking 12,000, 25,000. We're talking things before the, even the ice age began or melted and so on. So it's definitely, definitely much older than we think and definitely connected to the Abrahamic religions in ways that is really suspicious to be, to be honest. That is amazing. And I know I've heard that I've heard the, the, uh, the arguments that look at the, the, 
what is it the the um the sphinx has shown ero- erosion as if from a flood yes. and and so yes. many things like that that don't jive with our current timetable or the currently accepted timetable and uh so on and so forth there's many of these of these inconsistencies that are showing up and and I think that the mainstream kind of pushes those to the fringe like no 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 nothing to see here just keep moving you know and whereas there is much more going on in in our grand picture here than than we've been led to believe by a long shot oh yeah and definitely like when it comes to the sphinx itself so studies have shown like you said that the erosions are, didn't come from rain but it came from seawater and and uh, like like sort of like a, an ocean which the, the the sahara was a tropical place 12,000, 14,000 years ago. So it would make sense for the, the Sphinx to be built in that time. And not only that, there's also this new theory that if you look at the Sphinx itself and the, the dimensions of it, that the head is way too small to be to be within that uh, the, the entire space of the Sphinx. So, origin, so different theories come up that it was perhaps a lion and then the pharaoh, when he came, he was like, you know, carve that lion's face and make it into my own face, like that. <laughs> and uh, it would even align with the fact that it is uh, the where the Sphinx looks is at the uh, what they call the spring equinox, um, the horizon, and uh, it's looking at that direction. While if it was indeed built around 12,000 years ago, we know that the constellation that would appear on the spring equinox was the constellation of the Leo. Mm-hmm. So, so we even can tell that they were built to specific, you know, replicate certain constellations and stuff like that. Wow. There's just so much we, we, uh, we obviously don't know, or at least, but I'm encouraged by the fact that we are, beginning to pick up the breadcrumbs and beginning to pick up the pieces to put together a more holistic and accurate view of, of where we've been, where is our, where is our society come from? What is going on? And, 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 you know, I, I realized that even in the, you know, the Sumerian, uh, epoch is still, it's an interpretation and some people may choose to believe that some may not. And that, and that's granted. And, and the show's never been about trying to change somebody's paradigm, but, but I think it's important to at least look at the pieces and, and to look at, look at what it does teach and what it gives us for timetables. Because, you know, as far as we know, Sumeria, ancient Sumeria was the, the cradle of our modern existence, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and the, the many questions that rise from it, like the, it needs to be checked and answered. And you can also notice how, you can there's a push like you said from these uh, these ideas like they try to push them away like no this is not real and all that and on top of that there is also not too many mention of this stuff in mainstream media or movies or stuff like that like you would think that something as exciting as the cradle of civilization you know and the the story of of this god enki and his and his brother enlil like these should be made into tv shows and movies and and so on and they're just like so quiet over them. Like they'll tell you about Egyptian mythology, Greek mythology, Roman, um, anything. But this, which holds the biggest questions, like you don't study it in school like you do other religions. You don't see it in movies. Like the fact that they don't mention it and it's being so quiet makes you think like, why Why is this put on the side so much? Like, what is it you don't want me to know? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let alone the fact that this whole area of the world has been at war for at least 7,000 years. You know, like there's never been a time where you can just walk around, you know, this yeah. area without anyone killing anyone else. <laughs> it really begs the question, like, why so much? Right. Suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Yeah, there's there's a lot to uncover there and a lot to unpack. But do you think that some of that pushback comes from the fact that there perhaps there's with any religion there's a power structure, you know, and there's a there's a method of control, a methodology of control, and 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 uh, whether it's a moral authority, whether it's more than that, um, but you know what I mean, and and that to acknowledge these things would be potentially to jeopardize 
those controls oh, and yeah. that that institution that so many people look to. Of course. I mean, imagine you're a kid in school and then they're teaching you religion on one side and then on the other side, they're teaching you history and they're telling you like, you know, these people thousands of years ago, they believe the same thing as you and be like, but, but I thought that's my religion. I thought that's right. what you're telling me is the truth. Whereas now it's more like it's just copied. Like, you know how the Romans took some gods from the Greeks, right? Sure. Like they just changed, like Zeus became Apollo and this one. Became, like only a few names changed and all. Same thing when it happened, especially within the, the region of the land. Like it makes so much sense that it's just the, the, the religion evolved and became one. And like, for example, when you read the Old Testament and you see this, this God, right? Like he's so angry all the time and he wants to destroy everything and then you see him changing his mind every once in a while like right. you know i want to destroy all of humanity but you people i like you might as well stay i'm going to destroy the city of sodom and gomorrah but don't be there when i do it you know i want to like this duality that we have it's, it doesn't really make sense in terms of like what like the God that you're talking about changes his mind or like right. you know it doesn't really apply. Whereas when you see it from a mytho- from uh, the the Sumerians and the Anunnaki, they were in fact two different gods. You know, one was in love with humanity, one wasn't, and one wanted to destroy it. The other would be like, you know, don't go there because we're gonna hit it tomorrow. Don't oh. don't be there. So so even like it's like someone decided to take that mythology of the you know, the many gods and everything. And we're like, let's just put them into one mm-hmm. and, you know, but keep the main stuff going as the same ones. Sure. And even like, like the, once you start reading, cause, cause I'm sure like this is, you know, the, the, the paranormal and everything and the, sure. the, the, the theory and the ideas of like ancient astronauts, aliens, you know, different uh, beings that have visited earth. I'm sure it's very, you know, prominent and accepted, and that's our search for the truth, and, and that's why we do what we do. And if you reread the Bible from the point of view of, like, what if these were, in fact, ancient astronauts? Like, what if humanity made contact with these beings? You would be shocked. Like, I, I thought I knew, like, I read the Old Testament of the Bible, I read the New Testament, I read different parts and everything, and once you start putting certain, like the knowledge that you know from now, from a scientific point of view, if you want, you add it to that, it's it's mind blowing. Like we're talking about, um, I'll give you this example. Uh, so this is from, uh, from, you know, the Old Testament as well as the Torah, which is uh, in the book of Kings. Okay. And it talks about um, the prophet Elijah. Mm-hmm. And Elijah, you know, known prophet, he's done things, he has uh, so on and so on. And this is the paragraph which I'm going to read to you. It says, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots have taken you and so on. And no one has seen him ever since. That's how he stopped me. Now, if you look at this, someone writing this story from that time with a limited vocab, right? Like they don't know how to describe it. It's not like they can say, oh, it's a car or it's a it's chariot. Whatever holds people is a chariot. Yeah. There is nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. And he's saying a chariot of fire came down from heaven. It shone a light on a specific person and he went up to it. Yeah. How many times have we heard people who have experienced alien abduction, alien, all this stuff, describing it the same way, the same way. It's just that we have different terminology for it now. Sure. Like we say, oh, it's a UFO, or it's an alien, or so on and so on. Before, they did not have this terminology, but they were still describing the same experiences. Mm-hmm. When they talk about destruction of certain cities, for example, like they talk in details about how vegetation died after it and how it became irradiated because it's kind of like describing an almost like a nuclear explosion right. or rockets falling from the sky and so on. Yeah, the fire and the brimstone, so, right? Again? The fire and the brimstone, those kind exactly, of things. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Like mm-hmm. just looking at, at, the, at these old texts 
from a Sumerian background, from a Christian or background, you can see how much they're describing things that we now know of. So they were, it seems that they were much more advanced than we are led to believe, advanced spiritually more, advanced technologically much more than we are. And then there's this, you know, something happened where our history has been altered and changed and We've, we're told that we are at the peak of our technological advancement. We are, we have, we are more advanced than we've ever been. It's, it doesn't seem to align. You know what I mean? Right. You know, uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because, of course, as we're as we're having this discussion about the the history and this timetable that we've been given as the status quo, but then things like you know machined aluminum parts are found next to mastodon skulls and in excavations. It's like, well. How'd that get there? You know, or 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 any number of uh, different things. Screws being embedded in rocks. The London yeah. hammer that was found in Texas. In yes, it, it definitely would seem to uh, suggest that there is a an incredibly much more robust version of history that has been going on an awful lot longer than we were led to believe. It's true, one hundred percent true. Because not only like I've seen some of these like some of the. You know, people who reject these ideas and stuff and say, oh, just because, you know, you don't know how the pyramids were built, does, that doesn't mean that aliens did that. But it's not like we're looking at how they were built or, or, or just in terms of, 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 you know, architecture and whatever they used. We're talking also about their religion and what they believed in. And you're talking about very literal people who, like... Did, like I said, like they just described what they were looking at, mm-hmm. like to, to name a God, uh, you know, the, the, the one who descended from the heaven. It's because they actually saw someone came down from from above. That's right. it's as simple as that. Sure. You know what I mean? And and this uh, the, the Sumerian mythology really stands out in, in all the other mythologies because everyone else has their gods. They live somewhere else, like they live in another realm. They live on somewhere and all that. Whereas the Sumerians were the only one who described them as if they're walking around with them. You know, like they were actually with them within that area. They would see them walking around. There's this theory that, like in the Bible, how they say, like, uh, you know, when Adam and Eve were in the, the Garden of Eden, and the serpent came and, you know, told them to do this and that. Now, first of all, the serpent is not described as the devil, nor is the devil mentioned anywhere in the entire Old Testament. Like, there's never a mention of the devil, which you think that's kind of important <laughs> for an entire religion <laughs> built on that. Right. You know, like, yeah. where was he? So so imagine, like, if, if they're looking at a being who looked like a reptile, for example, who looked like a serpent, they would call him the serpent. You know what I mean? So even the description of what they're looking at is very literal. And for some reason, we have decided to go into symbolism and no, they did not mean it like nothing. It was It's a symbol of this and that. I don't see that evidence anywhere in terms of symbolism. It's very literal what they were experiencing. Now it's also interesting to note that, of course, the the name Lucifer comes up in the in the Old Testament, but the, that yeah. would seem to suggest a pre-fall anyway, um, yeah. because of like when Lucifer is is talking to God about the servant Job uh, on the earth, it, it's like a dialogue going on. It's not like yeah. God God visited hell and said, "Hey, you know, Satan, what yeah. do you think?" And they have this discourse about this person, whether there's a good person or not. Um, yes. So that's God a, asked him, like, who are you? He actually asked, like, who are you? And, he t- and the Lucifer replies, like, I've roamed the earth and I've looked at things. Like, the, like even God didn't even know who this, this person mm-hmm. being, whatever is. So mm-hmm. that's what's so weird. It's like within the, 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 the religion itself, there is so much evidence, and yet no one seems to look at it. They just accept ideas that were given to them, not right. actually opening and reading. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's it's really interesting because I, you know I've, I've often said that look you know the re- one of the reasons I'm into the paranormal is because it's not where reality goes sideways, but it's the breadcrumbs demonstrating a much more robust and dynamic reality than we're aware of. So like things are happening, and these are these are examples nice. of potential. And I think to dismiss it as oh that's yeah. just a glitch, you know, well that's that's dismissing something incredible. And this is our opportunity to look at these events and try to at least understand or at least conceptualize or intellectualize some of this incredible things that are capable of happening. And, yeah. and so I think it's interesting that, it, that it's, it's also true 
of religion that you can either, you know, accept a canned version that's been given to you. This is it. This is your religion. It's in this nice container. You take it with you and it's with you wherever you go. Amen. Hallelujah. You'd be saved. Or you can look at your religion as a dynamic, beautiful, evolving thing that yeah. can, that can, that is alive. And it, and it reveals mysteries to you as you look deeper. And as you look through the, you know, through these materials, you will find the treasures in them. And so I think that, you know, that's why, you know, parables were so powerful is because it wasn't just here, here's the answers. It was find the answer. Here's the words I'm giving you. Now find the answer. <laughs> that, that's completely true because like I feel what you're describing uh, starts to remove itself from an organized religion when you're telling to someone just like think for yourself and you're headed into more like, you know, spirituality or like, I don't think there's an actual name to describe what that is, right. you know, at, uh, right now. But because it's, it feels like the purpose of any religion is to discredit the other. You know what I mean? Like, we are right, they are wrong. Unless, like, if you don't believe they're wrong, then you're not with us. That, it's as simple as that, you know? And that's where I feel like that form of control that, that takes the power away from, from you as a human being. You know, like, you are not worthy. You are a sinner. You, are, you need someone to tell you what the Bible said. You know what I mean? Like, you need someone to, to tell you, even though all you have to do is open and read, and, and, you know, you're perfectly capable as a human being to understand, interpret, apply. Because at the end of the day, all religions tell you, just be nice, just be yeah. nice to everyone, live a good life, don't hurt the animals. That's it. But... When that's taken out of context and and put into this, we know more than you. You don't know. Like even even when if you look at the Bible, even Jesus was saying that you are more powerful than you can imagine. Like why are you looking at me that I'm performing? You can do that. Like yeah. all you have to do is believe. You know. Like sure. but but then the religion takes that away and manipulates it and turns it into this. No, we know better and we will hide the history of the religion from you. That mm -hmm. is like what kind of drove me crazy and like, you know, I cannot accept that. You know what right. I mean? Like, at least tell me this is where it came from, you know, but sure. No. And the, and the other part of it is of course, is that religions being administered by, by people are, are fallible because we attach this importance to these figures, but these are still just human beings doing, you know, whether, whether they know and are, and are concealing the truth or if they're just, they're just, you know, fumbling through it like the rest of us are through life. They people are fallible, and once you see that fallibility, that then you know it affects people on a very profound level. Like, what if you know the Pope did something horrible? Be like, oh, you know, now that whole religion is in question, or you know, the action of priests that you know that that threw a lot of people into a really horrible place because this was their light, this was their their foundation, and their foundation yeah. was rocked. But I think I think you're right that, that once you once you create the understanding that the religion the religion is you it's in you it's in yeah. your your ability to manifest yourself into this world and actualize and realize yourself and then I think it becomes very powerful. That's true. I read something about this today. Someone mentioned it was really like very very nice way of putting it that. People who like get affected by, you know, some news and they it makes them question. These people were never really interested in the religion ideology as much as they were interested in the religion um, identity. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Like, it's like who I am. Mm -hmm. This is my identity as a religious person. So if someone else has acted in a wrong way, it affects me and, and I don't know who I am anymore. Right. Whereas when you kind of separate yourself from the person or the people who are talking and just listen to the ideas, take in, it doesn't matter what they do. Even if they don't act on what they teach, you still are, you know, you took that that, that ideology, you took that thought and you that's how what you're gonna apply in your life. It's not who you are as a person, it's what you do. They talk about this weapon that is used by the gods. And this weapon, they say it had the power of a thousand suns You know, getting back to one other thing I wanted to mention, I just want to put this out there before I forget again. But uh, when you're talking about Enlil and Enki um, and how the Abrahamic religions managed to meld that into one one figurehead, 
But I find it interesting that in 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 the Sumerian epoch, then Enlil and Enki become like the yin and the yang of the of the Eastern religions, you know, and that's that's very powerful as well because I think you have to acknowledge those two sides and those two parts uh, of a whole. Yes, exactly, and that is something that if you notice, like all religions on earth like that has ever existed and exists now kind of fall into two categories. One where you have a, a god or many gods, but like a form of control. And other where it's more like empowering and who you are and the universe and your oneness and consciousness, awareness and all that stuff. So even with that split, I do believe, like I noticed, like Enlil, for example, was all about control. He was all his ruling, all his thing was like being worshipped as a god. And, and there are theories that he is the like um, what, what what is known as Jehovah in, in the Torah, like like sure. Enlil became Jehovah. And I'll, I'll tell you where there are signs of that as well in a bit. Mm-hmm. So I have one side, this Enlil character who is all about you are not powerful. You need me as a god. You are nothing, so on, so on. And on the other side, you have Enlil, who is like, I want to give you the information. I want to, you know, eat from that fruit, uh, from the tree of knowledge, so you are thinking on your own, and you don't need me to tell you what's right and wrong and all that. So, like, even within religions, there are two different uh, school of thoughts, you know what I mean, um, and all that. But just to kind of uh, go back to uh, Enlil and Yahweh, in the Bible, uh, so this is something that I noticed because of my Arabic background, mm-hmm. and I've read them in Arabic. The the names are very different um, to how they are pronounced in English and all that. And the Arabic is a kind of like a you know an evolution of uh, Akkadian, Aramic, uh, Assyrian, and so on, like going all the way back to the original language. And uh, now the names of the angels that appear in the in the Old Testament. Uh, like you have Michelangelo, you have Gabriel, uh, Ezreal, and so on, uh, Emmanuel, and so on. Uh, in Arabic, they have the same um, suffix of il towards the end of them. So in Arabic, you don't say enlil. You say you call him enlil, with the, with the, with the, the accent is on the e, enlil. Okay? And Michelangelo, his name is Mikhail. In Arabic. Jail. Oh. Gabriel, his name is Jibrail at the end. Azrael uh, uh, is Azrael. So you can see that even the il from Yahweh and from Enlil is present within these angels or these beings who said they came from him, who came, who like they were, they, they spoke in his name or so on. So you kind of, you can kind of almost imagine that they were you know, sent to speak in his name. And when they came and showed up, like, I am from, you know, from this God. So only Enlil's name is not present in the in the, in the in the Bible, but he was changed into Yahweh, whereas the rest have kind of maintained that same original Sumerian name. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I so that's something to take note of. Now, you said Michelangelo. Is that is that really how it's... Uh, because in... in here we 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 say that there's a uh, archangel Michael or Michael Mas or you know that but you right. said Michelangelo. Yeah, because uh, Mike uh, archangel Michael. So uh, within the like, if Michael. you wanna go like the Italian name, it's Michelangelo. So for oh, angel, okay. Michelangelo. That's his full name. Okay. Whereas in uh, in uh, the Arabic uh, language and the ancient ones is uh, il at the end. So Michael, okay. Jibail, and so on. Yeah. Very even cool. even by the way, like. Um, the city of um, the country of Israel, mm-hmm. okay, right now Israel. Now, as we know from the story uh, of the, the the Old Testament, is how like you know the um, uh, the Jews were in Egypt, they were slaves, and then uh, you know uh, God came and freed them and took them to the Promised Land, which is Israel right now. But Israel in Arabic, well, what we pronounce it as the name, is called Israel. And Israel, if you split it into two, Isra means victory of. So the actual name of the place is victory of the il, which Uh is victory of Enlil. And that was his point to take people from Africa and bring them to this land. Because there is a more deeper story within the Sumerians about how humanity was split. And then like some uh, some deities kind of took... um, 
lands in Egypt and in Africa, and they were making more humans. And Enlil on this side was like being really upset and jealous, and he wanted his own people and so on. So there were wars happening between the gods over humanity, and and humans were like caught in the middle of it. Uh, even even in the book itself, like when he was talking to Moses, he was telling him, you need to reach that land and do not make treaties with these people. You need to fight them. You need to kill them. And you need to destroy uh, something very interesting here. He tells him, you need to destroy the shrine of the goddess uh, Ashtarut, who is, um, uh, her name, uh, who is now, um, what's her name? Easter. It's um, Ishtar. Ishtar. The goddess of Easter, yeah. Exactly. And Ishtar, in the, in the Sumerian mythology, she's the stepmom of, uh, of Enlil. Like she was his, his wife, his dad's wife. And they did not like each other at all. So in the Bible, he did, uh, the God of the Bible, the biblical God, does not say these people worship false gods and they're not real and I'm the only true one. He actually says these people worship other gods and I do not wish to share you with these gods. He says, I am a jealous God, I want you for me, so destroy their gods and destroy the shrines. So even in the Bible, there is mention of other gods and, and, and the God did not you know, dispute that, did not say, no, they're wrong. Oh. Wow, that's incredible. That's really cool. I, I, I'm learning so much in this discussion, so by all means, yeah. keep going. This is fascinating. Same thing, like, for example, like, if you, uh, you know how uh, you were telling before about the Nephilim, right? Like, and, and how they were like this, um, this mythology of the giants, and, sure. and they say that, you know, and uh, there are very different theories over, you know, the years about, like, whether the giants existed during that time, whether they helped build certain monuments or not, because there they are a lot of um, uh, drawing depictions of, of giants within Egyptian, uh, uh, you know, art and and even within Sumerian art and like how Gilgamesh, you know, he's so big, he's holding a lion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, within the Bible itself, they mention the, the, a giant, but also, again, no one seems to talk about it. When the story of David and Goliath, mm-hmm. and they say how, how David is, uh, you know, he is uh, the Jew, uh, he's a Jew, right? And Goliath was in the city of, um, of uh, Philistine, which is now Palestine. Okay, so side note that this war has been happening for, <laughs> for thousands and years until sure. now. But uh, given that it's from the point of view of uh, Yahweh or Enlil or all that, David is the, sto- is, the, is the hero in the story. And he's the one who defeats that giant who was standing in front of him. And there is in Sumerian mythology about a war between the giants and between the Anunnaki gods. Some rebelled against them, some sided with the gods, and they were fighting over the land, over different areas, and and so on. So I kind of see this breadcrumb of, of these different, uh, you know, stories and, and ideas that are just completely mind-blowing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you were talking about the gods fighting the gods and stuff, automatically in my mind, I, I, I flash to the, the stories from India about the Vimanas and all these amazing craft uh, being in the sky, shooting at each other and stuff. And, and, and it, it definitely it kind of all ties together, you know? That's the thing. That's the thing, because it's like the more you delve deep into it, the more you see, you see how they're all connected, all these stories, all these religions, all these people or deities that they used to depict, they were actually the same. You know, like it's like they have different names or different maybe pronunciations, and that was it over time. And But it's still referring to the same stuff. All of them talk about a giant flood. Like this is in every mythology ever, whether in, it's in here, whether it's in India, whether it's all the way in the uh, in the Americas, uh, the Aztecs talk about the uh, flood. Um, uh, you, you see uh, this this creation of man to be a slave to to work somewhere. This is also a common, uh, you know, story that keeps coming back over and over. And like what you mentioned in the uh, in the Indian um, Sanskrit, uh, they talk about. This war, and not only do they talk about war, they talk about this weapon that is like used by the gods, okay? And this weapon, the way they describe it, they say it had the power of a thousand suns exploding at the same time. 
it's it when it exploded it gave a light so bright that it blinded everyone around them it cities disappeared and people were flying like leaves mm-hmm. and after everything calmed down they talk about how the animals and the vegetation died over the next month and month it's a literal bu- uh, nuclear explosion like there is like that's what they're describing you know mm. and that's what's so amazing about it just how much they describe technology we have now you right. know what i mean right yeah that's that's absolutely uh, incredible because again it's it demonstrates this this incredible robust tale and it, and it kind of makes sense, right? It kind of would make sense that all these ancient peoples being displaced from each other and, and in their own experience would have parts of the story. And, and because this was a, a allegedly from the Sumerian, it was a global phenomenon, right? Like like human beings were created. And so yeah. as they were created in their, in their little uh, parts of the world, they would have their own take on what they observed happening and they would record those things and, and they would all come together, but maybe they do all fit together into this one yes. big puzzle. Even, even like they're describing things that like when it comes to whether it was cloning and genetic manipulation on a DNA level and stuff like that, like it's kind of insane for them to talk about this. Like in the Bible, they say God made them, made us in his image, right? Like in his, like his, like uh, in his image. And the Sumerians still say that uh, he, like Enki took part of his DNA and infused it with our DNA, with the DNA of Homo sapiens, basically, in order to create the modern human that we have now. And even when it comes uh, to biology and what we know about our DNA, they t- they say that um, the second chromosome within our DNA, it's the, it's the one that has a genetic uh, mutation and it's been basically coded into another animal to create us, and they don't know what that other animal is, and it's the one that contains our basically emotions and awareness and consciousness and all that. It's like it's right there, you know what I mean? It's, it's really, it's really amazing when you see all these dots being connected. Like you have these, um, you know, uh, uh, monuments of of different gods and everything. And I don't know if you've seen it, how they're all holding a bag. Have you ever noticed oh, seeing yeah, that? Yeah. Like the handbag, right? Everyone questions. You're talking about civilizations that have never met, not even like in terms of, uh, uh, you know, geographically, but also per time. Like they existed thousands of years away from each other, not only like across the planet. And they all depict a god holding something with his hand, like the same handbag everywhere Mm -hmm. is, is, is being held like that. Even the pine cone is also held somewhere. And that pine cone is also part of Christian doctrine. It is part of, like, if you go to the Vatican, there's a pine cone monument in the middle of St. Peter's Square. It's it's giant. It's huge. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> some people say it represents the, 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 the gland that you have, the, uh, the pineal gland. Some, yeah. And so on. But it's still, you, you have these different civilizations who are not supposed to have met, who are not supposed to have been in contact with each other, and yet they all tell the same story. They all talk about same stuff. So yeah. it's very exciting. It's very exciting because it's again. I, I look at all of this stuff like it's the grand puzzle. But but these these pieces, I, I I'm really excited to hear this because I never I never considered it before. Prior to this discussion with you, I considered that these were people's attempts in different parts of the world to understand the nature of their existence, and and so they yeah. you know perhaps. Uh, and and I, I don't mean to to take anything away from the div- divinity. I think there is the divine, and and there is this this uh, wonderful uh, force that that uh, is underneath it all. But some sometimes the stories were so varied and disparate, it was hard to find, you know, how 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 does it all work? But now that now talking to you, seeing the repeated symbolism, seeing you know that the, all kind of spider webs from this po- potentially Sumerian root. Uh, I yes. think it's is really uh, fascinating and exciting, and and it, it just goes to show that there's still a lot more for us to understand. Oh yeah, yeah, like uh, like everywhere you go, you can see these, and and there's the story also about how modern, I mean modern, uh, you know, relatively, but like let's say the Mayans, for example. Mm-hmm. So it, there's there's this pyramid that they try to build. 
and they failed they failed at building it because they were trying to copy another pyramid that they saw so the theory goes that they actually arrived to that area they found something that was built much longer you know earlier before them and they tried to replicate it but they didn't have the tools or the technology to do it this is the same uh, pattern i also see like for example when you look at uh, in egypt and and the pyramids of egypt so this, the, the, uh, you can see that they have these giant three pyramids that you know, stood the test of time and everything and don't make sense. And yet you see next to them a lot of smaller pyramids, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a theory as well that Egyptians at that time and the pharaohs and whatever who were nomads and who were hunter-gatherers and then they, they became settlers and they became, you know, and settled down in that area, that they would have reached the space found these giant pyramids and that sphinx sitting there and they were like that's a good spot you know to build our civil like something has happened here and they tried to replicate it and they failed miserably at it right. you know what i mean like like you have all types of of, of pyramids that were never completed especially in in next to uh, next to, to the giza plateau there's a, um, an area called the sakara and it's uh, it's now like being excavated uh, you know again and everything and you see like they have so many different pyramids but None of them come close to what the, those pyramids were, you know? Wow. And it also begs the question as to why a civilization that has documented everything that they ever did through hieroglyphics did not document one of their biggest achievements. Why would you, why would they not know how to do that? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so it, it, it feels like when it comes to, you know, archaeology and then historians and all that, like, it just doesn't align with what 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 that the people of that time did or were trying to do and all that. And it feels more and more that these um, sites and monuments and all that existed much before what we think. And whatever modern civilization is is just like settled in those areas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not only tension, by the way, in terms of like how humanity or, or homo sapiens existed for 1.8 million years, you know, through evolution and all that. And then overnight, we just suddenly decided to build cities and have <laughs> laws and have religions. Like it literally yeah. overnight, 1.8 million years since the first, you know, they say we when we came down from the trees. And of no way, 10,000 years ago, we, we okay, we now we have cities, now we have laws, now we right. have rules, now we have religion. Mm -hmm. Something definitely have triggered it. You know what I mean? Yes. Something happened. Yep, absolutely. Wow, this has been a this has been an incredible discussion, Sergio. I gotta thank you so much for reaching out to me because I, I and I'm sincere. I would really like for you to come back and be a regular guest here on the show because I can tell we got a lot to discuss and there's a yeah. lot of lot of roads from here. Now that we've laid this groundwork of, for this incredible tapestry. Now we gotta now we gotta dive into some uh, specifics and uh, go forward on on subsequent shows. So I hope you're willing to do that. Of course, of course, definitely. Like it's all about you know getting to know something, sharing it, and have as many people as possible to know it. That's all what's about. Absolutely. So, brother, take a minute and let people know how to stay in touch with you and what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So I also have uh, my podcast where I discuss things like we were talking about uh, today with uh, Anunnaki, ancient civilizations. I also talk about other stuff, more spiritual stuff. I talk about near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, the Mandela effect, and so on. So simulation theory and all that. And you can find me on um, all the podcast channels. Just search for Paradigm Shift with Sergio Halabi. You can find me there. I also have an Instagram page, paradigm shift, uh, sorry, paradigm.shift.experience. Hmm. And I also put all my thoughts and ideas there as well. Well, absolutely fascinating, brother. It's been, an, it's been a rare pleasure. Again, thank you for reaching out because uh, I can tell this is going to be a friendship that's going to continue to develop between our shows. So uh, thanks again for taking the time to be here, brother, and uh, uh, we'll definitely be getting you back. Sure, definitely. Can I leave you with one thought before Please. I leave? Uh, this is, I always, I like to do that. So that, that's what stays with you and the listeners. So how we're talking about genetic manipulation, right, of humanity and where it shows within us and everything. And I noticed something that not a lot, not no one actually mentioned uh, within our, the way we look. And it's related to our hair, which is on, a, on our head. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we are the only animal or being on the planet where 
the hair grows and does not stop growing at all unless we have to cut it using an outside tool. And from an evolutionary standpoint, there is no reason for something to evolve that needs to be cut by a tool that is outside of your body. The only other animal that does that on planet right now is the genetically manipulated sheep. A sheep grows its fur because we have made it, we have manipulated so that we can cut its fur, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the only thing that we have on our faces as men and on our our head as all humans is that it keeps growing and growing without it ever stopping, which indicates that there is some sort of evolutionary mistake, if you want, or a, 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 a manipulation at some point that this, that the hair is a sort of a side effect to it, Hmm. or else it wouldn't have been like this. Because ancient Homo erectus and Neanderthals and Homo sapiens sapiens, who are our ancestors, did not have that. Everything grows to a specific length and stops. We are the only one, modern man is the only one who has that anywhere. Wow, that's a great point. I guess, you know, again, I had never considered that, but that's brilliant. Yeah, brother, we got a lot to explore. So uh, we're going to get you back and uh, and we'll talk very soon about when you're coming back. But yeah, I'm excited to hear everything you've got to say. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Alright guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at paranormal portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. We got hundreds of shows, journeys into the paranormal portal. So I hope you'll check it out. Check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, We'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good. Be kind. Be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day. And remember to laugh as much as you can. 